if you would turn with me in your Bibles to um, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, beginning in chapter 8. As we continue to realize that this is the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ, the, the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ as the veil is continuing to be pulled back so that we can see more and more of um, what God is doing in this world, especially since the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ to the throne, as we get uh, another glimpse at um, spiritual warfare that's taking place, the um, spiritual trials that are taking place, but what God is doing behind the scenes in a broken and cursed world in which light has broken into and the kingdom is coming, and we as the church are seen as candlesticks and lights as the light is supposed to grow brighter and brighter, as the darkness itself grows darker and darker. Um, we see, if you've ever been in one of those, um, the caverns that they go into, and it's very dark, and if you have a good tour guide and some kid that doesn't have light-up shoes or something, and they'll just hold still, and then he'll, it gets very dark, and he lights like just a small match, and it's almost blinding. So the darker the darkness is, the brighter the brightness shines. And so we are not to be overcome by the darkness, but to overcome the darkness with the light of God's Word. So I want to just, let's go ahead and just read Revelation 8, 6 through 13, and then we will um, see what God has for us to teach us more about the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that we can trust it because you inspired it. You breathed out truth through the men that you called to speak through and even to us today by your spirit. So we pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to be, um, to love what we hear so that our minds might be transformed and renewed by what we hear today. And we pray this, even that maybe salvation comes to some who may hear or hear us or see us as a result of what we hear today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Revelation chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The word of the Lord. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire, mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened. And a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. And then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. 
the word of the Lord. So one of the things to keep in mind is this is apocalyptic literature. Jewish people, uh, people who um, lived during this time um, in Rome, even they're Gentiles, but they've been converted to Christianity. Um, they would be familiar with this. The Old Testament uses this in different places so that in apocalyptic literature, you have these signs and symbols. And I don't mean to I don't keep going through this every time, but anybody can take any sign or symbol and make it anything they want to do, they want it to, to represent, but um, God has specific things in mind for this symbolism, and there should be some key to understanding what they are. And so, and it should also be something that the church through the ages could see, and not just some church at the end here, but that this is encouragement to the church over time. And so what we do is we see... Uh, these symbols in the Old Testament. And you can also see it explained in the book of Revelation. So we're not left to our own devices to make up whatever it is we want to um, about the symbolism in the book of Revelation. And so um, the first thing that we need to think about here is, and, and get this in your head too, as we see this, if you're looking for a particular thing to happen and this event that we see occurring is this, and it's finally happening, and that means the end of the world is almost here. You're missing the point of how the book of Revelation is, is written. It doesn't mean we might not see signs. It may be an indication. It's like, oh my goodness, it does appear as if you know, time seems to be running out. But um, time has been seeming to be running out for a very long time, and who knows how long this may continue. So what we do as Christians is we continue to preach the gospel. We continue to live in the light of the return of Jesus Christ. We continue to live as believers, um, understanding that when we see these terrible things happening in the world, it does not take God by surprise, and he is in control of it. So we're to look at it in this way. So I was reading the newspaper, whatever those things are, and it was something to do, what was uh, Virgin Galactic, is that the name of his, the, the rocket ship, and it's like, and it was something about, I don't even remember, it's a fad, the FTC, or somebody, were in, they were investigating it, because it diverged off, it like, it was supposed to go, all I understood from it, and this could be completely off base, but it's like, it was supposed to go this way, but it did something else before it landed, and it's like, so I, I started to read through some stuff, it's like, you want some conspiracy theories? Here you go, but it was like, one of my thoughts as I'm in Revelation is, ah, oh, that thing could crash into the ocean, and it could kill a third of everything, and it could be like, and I'm sure, I am positive, reasonably, somewhere in this world, this morning, somebody's preaching that that's it. They're right here. This is it. It's happening. So I don't know what's happening with that, but I do know that whatever is going on and whatever is happening is that God is at work in these things and that he is blowing trumpets. So we just did the seven seals. And these seals had sealed up a scroll, and only Christ could come and open the seven seals. And then we get to the seventh seal, and what we kind of see is there's this pause, there's this seventh seal that opens. It seems to uh, be now opening and leading into the seven trumpets. And then the seventh trumpet seems to lead into the seven bowls. And so each of these is from a different perspective. So that the seals are like the church should be looking at this, and you need to conquer these things. But you've been sealed. And who can stand before the great day of the Lord? Well, the church stands before the Lord in these days and so you see this um, happening and then with the trumpets we looked at this last time too what do trumpets represent and we 
took some time to go through this. So if you really are interested in these things and you didn't uh, hear last week's sermon, you can go back and look at that. But just in brief review, the um, trumpets, it, well, it trumpets in Joshua 6. It, Joshua 6 talks about seven priests blowing seven trumpets, and they have different signals. And one of the signals is to sound the alarm, and it calls the people um, to gather for war. It calls the people to gather together. It has a different trumpet sound for just the elders to come, a different trumpet sound for everybody to come. And then we just read in Revelation chapter 7, this, you know, 144,000 from this tribe, 144,000 from this tribe. And what it seems to clearly be is a military census. So this is why censuses were made in the Old Testament, was to know how many fighting men you had. And so here we have an army being called, and it's from the 12 tribes of Israel. And John hears it, and then he looks and he sees every people from every tongue, tribe, and nation that can't be counted. So this is the tribe of God. This is the elect from every nation throughout time is the army of God, and God is fighting for us. Our role as faithful Christian um, soldiers marching as to war with the Christ of Jesus going on before, as the song would say, uh, is to remain faithful. We have to pick up arms. We have to do these things. God is fighting for us. What we do is don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Remain faithful. Conquer. To those who conquer, you shall receive the rewards of heaven. So this is how we conquer, by remaining faithful. And so in Revelation chapter 6, you see Jesus enthroned in heaven, opening the seven seals. The sixth is open, and we see the day of the Lord, judgment day. But before judgment is allowed to proceed on the earth and things come to an end, um, we see a pause and the sealing of the elect, the sealing of the believers, and they are promised to be protected ultimately so that heaven will be theirs forever. Jesus promises to be in their midst, guiding them, and they're told in the famous verse that we hear a lot that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So to the one who conquers, Jesus Christ has sealed the believers so that as these spiritual, physical things, which ultimately have spiritual realities behind them, you are protected for your soul is protected. You may go through these trials and tribulations, but remain faithful. But the first pause that we see after the second seal, sixth seal is opened, um, it was protect the believers. And then you get to chapter 8, and then you have the seventh seal is opened. So if you look at that, chapter 8, verse 1, then Lamb opens the seventh seal. So you had this pause, and you had... The sealing of believers, so the end of the world doesn't come until all the believers are protected. And so that's what we have going on today as people are becoming believers and being held. But then the seventh seal is opened, and there's silence in heaven for half an hour. And then I saw seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with golden, a golden censer. It's one of those little uh, orbs that carry incense. And um, it was given uh, stood with his golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel so this is our prayers being powerful and effective as we pray and think you know God doesn't hear or this is my minor little prayer or whatever God uses our prayers to bring about all the things that are happening that we see 
through these trumpets. All these judgments that take place in the world and the protection that takes place through the world, God uses our prayers to bring about his purposes. And so that's what this is teaching. And then in verse 5, the angel then takes the censer, which has now been emptied before God with our prayers and, and the incense, which makes them sweet, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, that, that sometimes we don't know how to pray, and the Holy Spirit prays for us, and, and, and the, it knows the mind of God in our minds as we pray something. It knows the Holy Spirit. He knows how to to pray these prayers with us. And then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar, and he threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes, lightning, and earthquakes. So basically you have the end of the world coming now. So now let's look at this from another perspective, because the seven angels who had the seven trumpets, now they prepare to blow them. And so we have to make sure that what we're seeing is the working of the Lord Again, so in verse 6, the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. And remember what has just gone forward, the prayers of the saints, and there was a great pause because this is going to come up again. And now the seven angels prepare to blow the trumpets, each calling on judgment on the earth, which is what trumpets do. And in response... To them, to, the, to our sanctified prayers, this is happening. And what we're going to see with these trumpets are a parallel to the ten plagues of Egypt. So it's like, and it's pretty obvious, and we're going to look at one of them. We're not going to look at all of them just to kind of see. So that we're going to see is, what was the purpose of the plagues of Egypt? And the purpose of the plagues of Egypt was to convince Pharaoh to let my people go, to, to, to call Egypt to repentance. And each plague, when you look at it, is actually a judgment on a particular God of Egypt. So that God is saying, I am more powerful than the gods of Egypt. I can defeat them. There's nothing you can do to stop me. No God of yours can save you. And this is what he's saying to the world through these trumpets as well. So Revelation 8, we have the first angel. Eight, I'm sorry, 8 verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass was burned up. So hail, fire mixed with blood. So just to um, see it, let's look at Exodus chapter 9. So it's right after Genesis, Exodus chapter 9, beginning of verse 22. So remember, that was hell, fire, mixed with blood, and then we come to Exodus 9, 22. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast, and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail upon Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as never had been in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every field, tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, there was no hail. So we see that it's not that it doesn't fall upon us here in our, the church time, 
but that we too are protected by the Holy Spirit. So again, we see in Revelation 8, 7, there followed hail, fire, mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And so there are several other of these trumpet judgments that take us back to Egypt. So they were able to say, okay, these are warnings. These are designed to, one, encourage the people of God that our God is in control and is greater than the powers of Egypt. And two, hardens Pharaoh's heart. Because, and he's without excuse. And every time, how do you harden somebody's heart? You tell them to do something they don't want to do. And that's what God does. He commands Pharaoh, commands Pharaoh, the audacity of God, to command Pharaoh, who himself is supposed to be a God. And then when the firstborn are killed, that's the son of a God who God strikes down. And then we see he gives his own son, our God, later for our sins. So these things are performed by a God who is all-wise and all-powerful. But your gods cannot save you. So these trumpets call the churches to attention. Wake up, see what's happening. And the spiritual warfare that is going on as responses to these things all around us. God is producing spiritual warfare, hardening, softening, calls, wake up, and things begin to happen in the world around us. Just to show we're not just coming up with this out of whole cloth, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then it goes through what they are. But we have to remember, you're in a spiritual warfare, and you show up with physical armor, and if you ever played any kind of video games, you know it is going to go right through you. So you have to have the, the right kind of force field to protect you from the right kinds of weapons. So spiritual weapons are coming, you're going to need spiritual armor. And God says, and this comes from Isaiah, take up the armor of God. Faith, endurance, peace, the gospel, all these things are ours as we see that we are in spiritual warfare that's taking place. And we also see that, why is it a third? A third is burned up, a third of the trees. And in the fourth seal, we see that it's actually um, one-fourth of everything is destroyed. Now you've got a third of everything is destroyed. Remember, a third is actually more than a fourth. So a third of everything is destroyed. So you have this thing is progressively getting worse, and we see the bowls that are just judgments. Everything is going to be destroyed. But what we see here is a third, because these are judgments that are happening in the world, but not everything. This is not the last judgment yet. These are just judgments that are reminding people that there is a final judgment to come. It's, it's something to keep people's minds focused on the reality of not just the love of God, but the judgment of God as well, and that he loves us in Christ Jesus, and that there is hope for us only in him. So the seven seals are calls to God's people to see and to persevere. The seven trumpets are calls to God's people to, to be warned and for self-examination and calls for the world to repent. And it's a warning for those who dwell on the earth. It's a technical phrase in Revelation for non-believers. So these are warnings to them. God's 
present judgments on the world are foreshadowing and reminding of a future judgment to come. And this first trumpet is not the final judgment. Second trumpet, verses 8 through 9. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. All right, so this mountain. What do you look in the Old Testament and see what what does a mountain typically um, represent? And what you'll see in the Bible and later in Revelation is it's talking about a great city. And so later in Revelation, you'll see it particularly talking about the city Babylon, which is going to represent in Revelation evil governments and nations throughout time that rise to greater and greater power. And then they are ultimately defeated in some way. And then this is what we see here. So, Jeremiah 51. Again, just to see where we're going. Isaiah, big prophet after long, large book after Psalms. You get there, Jeremiah, and after that. Um, I'm sorry, Isaiah, then Jeremiah. Jeremiah 51. can use your table of contents to Jeremiah 51 beginning in verse 24 Jeremiah 51 24 and this is he's talking about judgment coming for this is the nation of Israel that's having problems with the nation of Babylon and so this is God's judgment on them. I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea before your very eyes for all the evil they have done in Zion, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. No stone shall be taken from you for a corner and no stone for a foundation, but you shall be a perpetual waste, declares the Lord, set up a standard on the earth, blow the trumpet among the nations, prepare the nations for war against her, summon against her the kingdoms, Ararat, Mene, Ashkenaz, appoint a marshal against her, bring up horses like bristling locusts, prepare the nations for war against her, the king of the Medes with their governors and deputies in every land under their dominion, the land trembles and rides with pain for the Lord's purpose against Babylon stand to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitants. And, and it goes on. And so he's saying, just like that, this is the way God's dealing and continues to deal with evil nations that set themselves up against the rule of God throughout time. And this is why we see over time nations that are judged in fall and back in Revelation again as we're in this second trumpet we see that's thrown into the sea a third of the sea becomes becomes blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed and so that what we end up with is this terrible warfare that happens against these nations that rise up. And in their destruction comes great destruction as well. And go ahead and turn to Revelation 18.21. I know we're all over the Bible today, but there's so much of the Bible in these verses that you need to understand the way you interpret these is with the Bible. So Revelation 18, verse 21. 
The mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea. So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard in you no more. And your merchants were the great ones on the earth, and all the nations were deceived by your sorcery, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who were slain on the earth. And you see it was thrown down into the sea. So we have these great nations that arise, and God will throw them into the sea. So as we think about our world today, and we say, well, what nations could these be? Any nation that rises itself up against a God. We need to do what we can in our own nation to make sure that our country does not, our nation does not become a nation such as this, so that God must cast it down into the sea. Even if our nation does become like this, the church will be protected as long as the church remains faithful within any nation in the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what has to happen. So in this second seal, a third of the sea becomes blood, a third of the ships are destroyed. The first trumpet was a third of the earth, and now in the second trumpet, a third of the sea. As the destruction of worldly powers has this devastating effect on the world as they are destroyed. And the third trumpet, Revelation 8, 10 through 11, the third angel blows his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. It fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water, and the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. So stars in the Bible typically represent angels, heavenly beings, ruling heavenly powers. And again, you see the fire of judgment taking place. And most likely, as we'll see later in Revelation, this is referring to um, Satan being cast down to the earth and causing bitterness and death. Wormwood being a plant that an extract is taken from is very bitter. And so it's just sort of a word that's used for, for bitterness. And it falls on rivers and springs. So this is fresh water now. We had the earth being attacked and then you have the the seas being attacked and now you have fresh waters being attacked water that was meant for refreshment and healing turns bitter and useless and we know that only Christ is the living and fresh water so we'll look at this more in just a second fourth angel I mean yes the fourth angel with the fourth trumpet revelation 12 fourth angel blows his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck a third of the moon a third of the stars and a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night and again heavenly bodies and a third of the sun you know there's, there's speculations of physically how does this happen so not physical this is apocalyptic language what does it mean what's he what's he through symbolism telling us through the church what do these things represent because the sun gives life and it gives light to all things we know jesus christ is called the sun of righteousness but the sun itself the, gives light and life the moon was created as we told to rule over the night so that's being attacked too the stars as guides and times for season that's being done away with so light is being darkened and in egypt there was the 
plague of darkness. And so this is, again, we see this judgment so that understanding will be darkened even as knowledge increases. This understanding is a different thing. Romans 1, 15 through 25 talks about people who are worshiping the creator rather than the creation and their foolish hearts are darkened. And so this is what John in the Revelation is seeing is the darkness that's coming over people because they are worshiping cre- creatures rather than the creator. And you see this as we, uh, if you just watch the news or whatever for a while, you have all these things that are happening, um, floods, man-made global warming, um, you know, the virus, the solution is man Um, everything has a man-made problem and a man-made solution and this is what the heavenly forces and powers in the heavenly places would have us to believe there's just material stuff nothing to be seen here unless of course you're spiritual and you want to worship some of these evil heavenly beings and you can do so thinking you're bringing harmony and peace and they're they're deceptive and so we're living in a time where the second another darkness is coming so people are saying, as they did in Jesus' time, Pilate talking to Jesus, what is truth? Truth that died in the streets, what's truth? Uh, if you listen to anybody around World War I, World War II, you, had, um, you know, the, the Russia and Germany and these places, it's like truth that died in the streets. Nobody spoke up. Nobody knew what to believe. You couldn't believe the people that you had traditionally believed. And you, you had to learn not to live by lies, as Solzhenitsyn had spoken so people were saying, what is truth today? You know, here's, what's male? What is female? What's marriage? What's an unborn baby? Who can we trust? Who can we believe? Everything good and true and pure is attacked. And it's not hard to do because we live in a cursed and fallen world so that there's nothing that's really good and pure and true, perfectly, you can always find problems somewhere when you start looking and poking at it hard enough, except God. And so, the evil heavenly forces in our own fleshly hearts, the world knows, well, he's got to be extinguished. Somehow, that light has to be darkened. At least the images of him in this world need to be smudged and darkened so you can't see him. This is all about overcoming the church and thereby overcoming God, who cannot be overcome, and therefore we cannot be overcome unless you stop listening to the Lord and start listening to the world and you don't examine the things that you hear and see through spiritual lenses. C.S. Lewis in a preface to the Screwtape Letters, writes that he listened to Hitler on the radio, and he said, it all sounded good and true, except I knew the true truth, and had to just shake my hand and say, no, that's not right. So that Satan comes, and he has his people to come, and they come as angels of light. And it's hard to believe. I mean, we won't go back in time and say, I'd never follow Hitler. I can't. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't follow. You would. Most likely, if you'd have been born then, and you were in that culture, and all this was happening, you're getting caught right up in it, you think you're doing good, and next thing you know, I mean, I don't know, do you wake up? A lot of people didn't wake up. 
we think that we would. So the lesson to be learned is you're living in today. Wake up today. And this is so funny how what we're seeing in the book of Revelation is counterfeit trinity. And we see that playing itself out in the world. Because what does God say? Awake, you sleeper. And what is the world? Woke. <laughs> it used to be, particularly in the United States, the culture was anti-puritanical. Anti, we can't be legalistic. We can't be telling people how to live. So now those people who said that are now, on the other side, puritanical and telling people how to live. They become that because everything is a religion. Everything is. There's no such thing as, a, as secularism is a religion. Materialism is a religion. These things are deeply held belief systems, just like other deistic, theistic belief systems. You attack somebody's religion, and this is what you get, what we're seeing today. So darkness has happened. And so even though the world sees the first angel with one of my favorite songs says, disasters, fires, floods, and killer bees, the NASA shuttle falling in the sea, you know, wars, death, destruction, violence. The world sees all this. It still does not repent. It still doesn't see the fact that God, <laughs> there's judgment in this world, and there's death, and there's violence. And God calls this calling through the church, particularly for repentance, and there's no repentance. And even though the world sees a second angel as evil empires are exposed over time and judged, Hitler's you know, attempted extermination of the Jews, Mao's mass murdering in China, Stalin's Russian gulags and mass murderers, you know, these things happen, wars are fought. And we see the danger, even this country founded as, after seeing the danger of a, a monarchy that rules and, and even seeing churches that rule and kill, seeing all these things, there are still churches that want to rule the world and there are still people who want governments to have all this power. How does that happen when we see the result of government secular power and what it does through history? Because there's spiritual warfare behind these things and government for some people is the only hope government can control people people must be controlled people are the problem or for some people uh, the system of freedom is the problem and there needs to be you know to get rid of the system because the system is a problem but if the human heart is the problem well now you're into Christianity now you're into other issues and and the government just isn't well prepared to deal with things like this. And that allows for Jesus to be needed. And the world doesn't want Jesus to be needed. They want to eat freely from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's always the desire. And that means defining for themselves what good and evil is. And define for others what good and evil is. And it always leads to death. And with the destruction of these cities, a third of the sea becomes blood. You see, it's a destruction of death is so great, yet even the world still does not repent. And the world sees the third angel, verse 10, Satan himself, demonic powers, and now even fresh waters are made bitter. 
harmony is removed from among nations and families. Peace, peace always fought for, and there's no peace. Antifa calling themselves anti-fascist or actually fascist. There's just no true truth. There's no lasting peace. The, the manipulations of Satan in the world and in the hearts and in the minds, and no matter what plans there are for peace, it has yet to happen anywhere for a very long time. And still, the world does not repent. And the world sees the fourth angel, and foolishness is called wisdom. Up is down, down is up. Men are women, women are men. No one knows what gender is. Maybe even men can have babies. What do we believe? Science. So who is it that controls who is the official controller of knowledge and truth? Science is never, ever really settled. It's always been some scientist with some crazy idea, like the germ theory of disease that comes up and and the scientific community, typically over time, helped and aided by the government, <laughs> work together. And then finally somebody breaks through and says, look. So be careful about making science or scientists the priests of today. Who do we believe? Politicians and rulers? Because they're just frail men and women too. The news? propaganda to get people to watch internet apps social media you're just data for sale even among the churches there's confusion but God does not lie his word is truth you find a church that believes in God the Father God's Son God the Holy Spirit the the power of the gospel as being the power of God and the salvation is contained in the books of the of the Old and New Testament as being the only rule for faith and truth, that God does speak through them, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, and that he does give light and he does give hope. Cling to a church that does that. Make sure your church continues to do that. But then, wait, it gets worse. Cheer up. It's going to get worse, but God's grace is greater than we ever imagined. You get to verse 19. I looked, I heard an angel crying with a loud voice that flew directly overhead. Three woes pronounced. That's the most powerful you know, tripling of something. Holy, holy, holy. The only attribute of God that's tripled. And here you have this woe, woe, woe. In other words, repent, repent, repent. Those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets, the three angels are about to blow. So here comes more at you. And the good news is God's blowing his trumpets. Wake up, world. Wake up, world. And that helps us as a church be able to say, wake up, world. Look at Jesus. Look at God. Look at the reality. Look at truth. Look at, look at, <laughs> you don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. What does the Bible say? How does it define right and wrong? How does the Bible, what does the Bible say? And how do we know how to interpret the Bible? It's very important questions that we see. So the end of the opening of the seals, a view of the spiritual war, world, you know, in our own world, for the church to see and to conquer and remain faithful, this, there's this last seal, and there's this pause, there's a silence, and there's a protection, and you can't get past the fourth trumpet before there's a pause, and the eagle cries out and says, you ain't seen nothing yet. For the church, there's hope, there's peace, there's promise. But for those who are outside of Christ... There's judgment. Wake up, world, and see. There is a God who is in control, and there is a God who is judging evil, as everybody agrees, evil, however we define it, should be judged. Who gets to define it? 
and who gets to judge it and God says that he is and he will so I don't have time I want to read Joel 2 26 32 hey you know what I have I have my place marked y'all could do it if you want to Joel 2 26 32 because this is where a lot of this comes from you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame they've been judged by this foreign nation and God's bringing them back restoration you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel that I am the Lord your God and there is none else and my people shall never again be put to shame and then he says and it will come to pass afterwards I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your, your young men shall see visions even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit on the people of Israel after they've come out of judgment like they've never seen before. And then in verse 30, And I will show wonders in the heavens, and now there's judgment for the nations. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. And then Paul picks this up in, in um, Romans, and he says that, that everyone in Israel is now the everyone in the world so that God will save everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And so we see in these days, in this time, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the, the feet of those who, who have truth and are, are lights. Because we see in just these fourth trumpets, every part of creation has been affected. There's no part of creation. Creation groans with eager expectation for the redemption of the people of God. And for the believer, there is peace in the storm. There is light in the darkness. There is true truth. There is hope. There is the presence of Christ. We are to rest in him. We are to sound the alarmed and not to be deceived by the world or disheartened. For Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And this is the victory, your faith. And he gives us the Lord's Supper to encourage and increase our faith. That the gospel is, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will strengthen thee and aid thee. I will be with you and you with me. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for visions of things too great to understand. Help us to have eyes to see. Help us to understand when we see things spiraling out of control, it's not out of your control, that you're at work in it. Help us to, to pray for the lost. You tell us how to act. Love our enemies, pray for the lost, be lights in the world, and don't lose hope and don't lose faith. So, Lord, help us to, to dig in your word that we can see how to live, even in the midst of, of turmoil and trial, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You are a light in the darkness. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.